Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And today, Sonia, we have entered Season 5, Episode 1, the 65th episode overall, The Phalanx Covenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of reaction is that? I don't know. Phalanx is a weird word. <laughs> I agree. Did I say it correctly? I think so. I think so, too. Um, so this is the uh, long-awaited Season 5 the uh, beginning of the end of the X-Men animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Long-anticipated decline. Well, not <laughs> just yet. No, I, it's not. No, this, you know, like I've told the audience many times, I've, uh, I think I've only seen season five one or two times, so my memories of it aren't so great, but I've seen the Phalanx Covenant several times, and... Uh, I was stunned, first of all, to learn that it was part of season five, because mm-hmm. it seems just like something out of season four, and it's still got good animation. It mm-hmm. doesn't have the crappy animation yet. Right. And uh, it's just, it's well done and exciting. It's just this peak X-Men still. And it's a Beast episode. Right. That's and awesome. And he's never steered us wrong. Good old Hank McCoy. Yeah. Uh, what else to say um, about season five? I mean, generally... To recap on some stuff we've discussed with the X-Men writers in our interview episode, uh, they wanted to end the show after season four with Beyond Good and Evil. That was the logical end point, but Fox said, no, we're ordering 13 more episodes, so they had to rewrite the end of that episode. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a killer conclusion to the whole series. Yeah. And then they had to come up with 13 more shows, and, um, you know, the the run production order got a little mix, mixed up in there, too. So I'm not sure where things fit along the production timeline. Mm-hmm. But basically, this is still in the pr- part of the production order where the show was made by you know their, one of their main animation studios that drew the show correctly. Right. So we'll see in some future episodes that the quality is going to noticeably dip when they switch to that. I think it's like a Philippines animation studio. We'll see. Saban uh, outsourced the animation to. Yeah. But for now, we're still in good hands. Uh, the show is excellent. You know... Another touchstone, uh, we reviewed a few episodes out of order from their broadcast date, mm-hmm. like one that belonged in season three uh, that's actually aired in season five, and in that one we remarked on the uh, strange new remixed X-Men introduction, mm-hmm. and this one fully has it, too. Yeah, here we have one. Right, so it's got like a, a more electricized orchestral score to open up, up the show, uh, a bit of a remix of the animation they're showing in the introduction. So some, some changes, but we haven't, like... Like I said, we haven't really fully uh, dove off the deep end yet into something strange and different. Uh, although, the contents of this episode would lead you to think otherwise. The contents are strange and different. Right. It's very bizarre. Um, much like the first episode of Season 1, uh, Night of the Sentinels, this episode opens up with Sabretooth let loose on the streets, like causing some mass chaos. He's throwing some police cars around. Uh, causing a riot of some sorts, you know, being very violent. And that's, like, one of the, you know, f- famous, iconic opening scenes in the show's history. Mm-hmm. So kind of, an, uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but a nice touchstone to open up Season 5 with a similar introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see our old pal Sabretooth with enormous strength. He he takes a police car with his bare hands and he throws it, like, into the sky, like, 100 feet or something. So I don't know if Sabretooth is really even supposed to be that strong, I'm not sure, but spoilers, it turns out he's infected with this techno-organic creature called the Phalanx. Yeah. But it's not a singular creature, it's like a civilization. It's like the Borg. 
Right. It's exactly like the Borg. It's a little more... It's different than the Borg. If you read the uh, previously on X-Men book by Eric Leewald, uh, he says it's like the... He admits fully it's like the Borg, but it's more... It's, the Borg are slow and steady moving. Yeah. And they create that kind of suspense, whereas the, the phalanx are fast and fluid. Right. So... Uh, so like your classic slow zombie versus fast zombie <laughs> right, terror. Yeah. So this is some fast zombie terror <laughs> in general. And uh, and for those not familiar with the Borg from Star Trek, they are like the, zom- the zombie-like uh, society. It's a hive mind. Right. Okay, that's the best way to put it. It's a hive mind that they slowly assimilate whatever culture or civilization they come across. Like if they came to Earth, they would like shoot so these weird wires into Earth people and turn them all into fellow Borgs and everyone would become a Borg zombie and build Borg spaceships and go on to the next society right. or whatever it is. Right. So they're not, like, killing everyone. Necessarily. Necessarily, right. yeah. But uh, taking them for their own purposes. Right. And so that's what this phalanx are. You know, the phalanx are from the comics. Uh, I, I had to look it up to make sure. Uh-huh. You know, the warlock character is also famously from the comics, uh, who we'll meet soon. Uh, How does he look in the comics? The same. Really? Pretty much. So they did a good job uh, adapting. I think he's like, correct me if I'm wrong, viewers at home uh, or listeners at home, uh, I think the Phalanx and Warlock, they they sort of premiered in more like X-Factor stories and New Mutants, Mm. less in the main X-Men continuity, but I think they crossed over at times. Yeah. I don't know, it's long and complicated. I never, like I said, this falls into the mid-90s X-Men comics world, which is like my biggest gap. Mm -hmm. I was like early 90s, well, beginning 60s through early 90s, tapped out and then picked up again in early 2000s. So there's a lot of shit that happened in the... Early uh, in the mid and later nineties that I just have no knowledge of. I think the phalanx falls into that category. I like the look of the phalanx and, yeah. and our our friend, um, like this black and yellow uh, electric kind of amorphous like circuit board looking pattern to them. Like that's pretty cool. Well, they're an alien creature, which yeah. is like it speaks to that. Like uh, I think Marvel does aliens very well. Mm-hmm. They have a real. They keep them, like, weird and wild, but, yeah. like, somehow kind of believable. Right, yeah. And they, they seem like they're really from a distant magical land or something. Because it's general. like scientists Aliens. have postulated also that, like, science and math are probably, like, the same or similar on other planets. I mean, maybe not, right? right? Yeah, we have but no it's idea. like there's got to be, like, some kind of rules that govern the universe. The universe, maybe. Yeah. Patterns, at least. Right. So I feel like it's kind of in keeping with that, that they make this into this, like, circuitry-looking... Right. Oh, yeah, because they're circuit-looking. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like when I th- see things like the failings, and even earlier in seasons, season two when uh, Apocalypse was manufacturing this virus that was going to wipe out the world, mm-hmm. and it was like a techno-organic virus. That's how they described it. And I think the failings are described as techno-organic beings. Yeah. Uh, so in the techno-organic virus thing, it's like the people who got... The sickness, they got, like, a weird circuit board look on their face and chest and everything. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like I've said, it remi- I feel like they did that stuff in Iron Man 2, the movie, mm-hmm. where Tony Stark, he has got the palladium in the chest, and it's, like, doing this weird circuit board stuff to his bloodstream. Yeah. So uh, it's just, like, a little Marvel touchstone. Like, speak- what you're speaking to, it's, like, a cool artistic um, thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, so um, this is, you know, I guess this is loosely adapted from the comics. Um, and it, and like you said, it's a B-centric episode. But, you know, the episode starts off as sort of like a, it's like a weird tease. You think it's going to be a saber-toothed Wolverine adventure? Mm-hmm. Because Beast, 
uh, Beast, Sabretooth is causing a ruckus in New York somewhere, I'm guessing. Beast takes the Blackbird instead of jumping out to fight Sabretooth. And he's there with Jubilee, by the way. Instead of jumping out to fight Sabretooth, he just unleashes gas on the streets of New York. And everyone in, like, the one square mile radius just passes out gently. Beast is like, oh, this is so much nicer than us actually going down there and fighting and, you know. Less civilian casualties, yeah. <laughs> he says. <laughs> I don't know, Beast. I found that, like, actually pretty disturbing that that's what the X-Men have just come to. Like, what if we could just gas everybody and never even leave the plane? He has kind of a point, you know. I mean, if it's tranquil, nice, happy gas, I guess, but it seems awfully dangerous. You know, people might have asthma. You know, if you fall and you hit your head or the people wander in from outside the gas area, they just rob people and steal the policeman's gun. Like, a lot of policemen pass out. Nobody in this world is worried about asthma. This is, like, right. the, the very beginning of politically correct, yeah. all-inclusive kind of society. I know. It's it's a kind of world where there's very little consequences for, like, weird federal law-breaking action-adventure stuff that the X-Men do. Yeah. Like, the X-Men break a lot of, like, what I'm assuming are really intense laws, like, flying military aircraft in civilian U.S. space, for uh-huh. starters. You know, they've got this advanced Blackbird jet uh, that's probably armed to the teeth with missiles and things. Yeah. So they've got that. So that's probably breaking laws all the time. Like, in other episodes we've seen and we've commented on, they just go to Washington and they land their jet on the Washington Mall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they're, they like, getting into enormous fights, like, at the Lincoln Memorial and outside the White House and Pentagon. And it's like, where's all the D.C. police? Where's the military? You know, yeah. you can't you can't have these superpowered people fighting in these very public federal plazas. You have to make it recognizable to the viewer. No, I know. Here I, we are in Washington. I know, but it, to me, it's still, it's like you said, it speaks oh, to Empire like... Empire State Building or New York City. Right, yeah. But it speaks to a genteel time where, you know, it almost seems like the the infrastructure of the world that the X-Men inhabit, they're, they're just like so far... Uh, they're not caught up to what the X-Men are even doing. They, they couldn't even track them if they wanted to, mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, so Beast gasses a public street. They take Sabretooth back to the X-Mansion. Professor X comments that he wants to continue the therapy with Sabretooth and give him one more chance to, to like, help him in his rages. Before they turn him over to the Yeah, he says, like, if this doesn't work this last time, I'm turning him over to the authorities. <laughs> and Sabretooth has betrayed the X-Men so many times. He's truly a villain. There's nothing redeeming about him whatsoever, really, in this show, at least. And uh, it's just silly. And they, they, they make a big point of they need to keep it a secret from Wolverine because he'll just be so angry if the X-Men... There's too much of a grudge Wolverine, there. like... Well, yeah, but, I mean, he's... At this point, Wolverine is the total voice of reason when it comes to all things Sabretooth. Mm. You know, he... His, over so many episodes, he's warned them so many times and had to fight Sabretooth many times. And Sabretooth tried murdering all the X-Men and innocent civilians many times, and no one listens to Wolverine. So it is kind of silly that they just don't give him to the cops. I don't, you know, he's a bad guy. He breaks the law. What's story development? Who cares if he's a mutant? Yeah. So they have Sabretooth and they lock him up in the basement. <laughs> right. It just doesn't seem like actually that great for Sabretooth either. Either, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, so talking about more weird laws the X-Men are breaking. Yeah, they're keeping <laughs> involuntary it a secret. confinement. Yeah. Jubilee knows about Harboring it. Harboring a criminal, yeah. And Beast knows about it, and Professor X, and that's it, basically. Right, and then at one point, just like as soon as Wolverine shows up, he can tell that Sabretooth is there. And I'm guessing because he smells him? No, but it, it, that, that turns out that's not how I... I know, so this was like a little confusing in terms of plot point, but I mean, I'm fine to roll with it, but I, how else would he know? 
I don't know. He must, someone must have tipped him off, or he saw a security camera or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point no, is no, because he's like just standing there in in like the game room or the kitchen or something. He's like, where is he? Yeah. So we don't know how Wolverine knows Sabretooth is there. He just must have found out. But uh, we've seen right before that we saw Sabretooth's eyeballs when Professor X left him. He's got the feeling eyeballs. So right. he's been. He's not even who Sabretooth is. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, anyway, Wolverine is, like, so angry, he's crushing a bread that he, like, a, a huge piece of French bread he was making a sandwich. <laughs> he just can barely contain his rage. Um, and, uh, so he decides to confront Professor X, like, who's in the X-Men gym, <laughs> mm-hmm. working out with Rogue. On the parallel bars, doing crazy feats of upper body strength. Oh my god, and you see how, I mean, we've seen it before, the Professor X is in incredible shape. But here they really emphasize that his muscles are so, like, deep they've got... They're casting shadows. He can, like, swing himself and turn him... Spin himself around and, like, spin himself back into his wheelchair. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Rogue is with him. She's working on her leotard. Uh, I thought she looked um, cute. <laughs> um, although she has no lines or part in this episode. Um, anyway, Wolverine decides to go down to the basement to confront Sabretooth again. Uh he, as soon as he sees him, though, he realizes it's not it's not him. He says, "I don't know who you are." And Sabretooth is like, "Oh, I know. Uh, I'm gonna mess with Silver Fox." Like he knows details about Wolverine's past, but uh, Wolverine smells him. He says, "I know. Whatever you are, you're not Sabretooth." Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not Sabretooth. He's obviously been taken over. So meanwhile, Professor X gets an urgent phone call. Uh, <laughs> it's staticky at first, but he's able to stabilize the signal, <laughs> right. and he's getting this distress well, call those, from... those early 1996 face cam technology was quite different than what we have today. Yes. Uh, but, but who is it from? It turns out to be from uh, Mr. Sinister right. putting in this distress call, and uh, he's like in the middle of some kind of... I don't know, hideout or battle or something. Yeah, like, it's like, it, Mr. Sinister gives the impression that he's under attack as we speak. Yeah. And he's warning the professor that there's a hostile beast, uh, like, virus or creature or something that's come to Earth and it's invaded and he needs to save himself. And it's very bizarre that Mr. Sinister would, one, like, be concerned about the professor and call him to mm-hmm. warn him. And then there's, like, a point where the professor's... Mr. Sinister sees the professor being ambushed from behind in the video call. He's like, Professor! 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 Look out! Look out! Look out behind you, he says. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's like, the level of empathy and concern he has for for Professor X makes no sense for the character. Although it's, like, interesting that they would go there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so bizarre that... It took me out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like a turn of turn of face for Mister Sinister. I guess they're showing that it's a threat that he recognizes is so beyond whatever his well, ev- normal evil. Well, they're against data. a common enemy, right? Yeah, that's a good way of putting. It. Although I don't know, it's like why did he join forces with Apocalypse when Apocalypse Apocalypse was bent on destroying the space time continuum? Yeah, well. that seems just as insane. Because Magneto betray- betrayed Apocalypse there because he knew that. He had to be stopped, even though he pretended to join his side. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Sinister didn't. He's like, no, I'm riding or dying with Apocalypse. But I guess, I don't know what's going on with him. He, for some reason, so he's, he has a, a heart of gold in this episode, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Well, I mean, we'll see later. Go ahead. Perhaps. Um, and then uh, Beast is hanging out in his room. He's reading or something, and the failings attack. He's listening to jazz oh, that's right, records yeah. <laughs> on his record player. Right. So uh, his jazz record player gets assimilated, and Beast just barely escapes. 
Um, he swings, he's running through the hallway, has no idea what's going on. He says, oh, this is not like our usual late afternoon visitors. <laughs> right. I, I don't know who their normal late afternoon visitors are, but not the phalanx, I guess. Right. Maybe Mormons or something going door to door. Um, or did they, did they come in the mornings? I'm not sure. Or the, the mid-afternoons. It doesn't matter. Uh, not the Mormons. Who am I talking about? The, who are um, you talking about? Church of latter No, that is the Mormons, the Church of Latter-day Saints. The, uh... The, the people that would go door to door knocking and like it's whatever Michael Jackson's religion was. Uh, oh God! And Donald Glover is is of their religion too. Seventh Day Adventist. I think that's what it's called. But there's a more common word for it. Uh, All right, whatever. Everyone knows what we're talking about. It's on the tip of our tongues, and everyone's probably screaming at us right it's now. Probably not what Beast is referring to. <laughs> no, it's not. Anyway, yes, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Um, he swings downstairs. He sees all the X Men trapped in this horror blurge. Of techno organic virus blarf, <laughs> right? They're all in these weird, gross, like pods. Be their souls being sucked away. Uh-huh. Wolverine's just barely trying to free himself, and he can't. It's weird that Beast doesn't grab his arms and try to pull him out. I thought that's what was going to happen. Hmm. I'm going to get a Beast Wolverine episode, which we've seen several times in the show. Yeah, but no, Wolverine gets sucked up. Beast doesn't even try to help him. Uh, Beast leaves the X Mansion grounds. Uh, he sees. What he thinks are like federal environmental disaster workers. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're also failing zombies. And then he steals Wolverine's Jeep uh, to drive away. Um, it's funny to see Beast drive a car. <laughs> I don't think we've really seen that in the show yet. Because mm. uh, well, he fits in a Jeep. I don't know if he fits that well in a normal car. That's right, yeah. Um, but he like he knows things about the phalanx. He's like seen. He's done the like a little bit of preliminary research on it already. Well, right? he's so, getting. He's putting together some hypotheses about it. Right. So he's seen that like the phalanx can move easily through solids. He says right, moves yeah. through solids as easily as I move through air. It seems like an invincible opponent. So I think that's the reason that he doesn't try to rescue his friends is because right. he knows that if he touches it, then he could be assimilated easily yeah. too. So, but surprise, surprise, attached to Wolverine's car is this. The phalanx character called Warlock, mm-hmm. who is a good phalanx, and uh, he establishes to he tells Beast the backstory. So thirty seven point five light years away, there's a phalanx planet, and uh, this guy Warlock lived there with his life mate, and he was just about to join the collective hive mind at the age one does in that society. And then he decided that he had no heart for conquering. So he got a spaceship and left for Earth, and he crash-landed on Earth, And but by doing so, it alerted the, whatever, the military hive mind on his planet, and they went after him, and now that they're here, they're taking over the planet Earth. And uh, they captured his life mate, who was with him in the spaceship. Right, so, right, yeah, and he was really, like, too frightened to rescue her, too, mm-hmm. which is kind of a sad moment. Um, so, uh, Beast is, you know, he's really... He's really stunned about all these events, uh, and it turns out this warlock's a good guy. He wants to help Beast, um, and uh, so Beast, you know, he go finds some computer lab that's in a safe area, and he tries contacting the president. He has a secret code to reach the president via mm-hmm. telecom or face FaceTime, mm-hmm. and uh, but a warlock lets Beast know that the president's been compromised. He can tell because. It refers to us when the president wouldn't know about Warlock. Yeah. Right. So, um... I feel like Warlock is a misnomer for this character. Yeah, it's a strange name, yeah. 
Because warlock is like a male witch, right? So you'd expect a character that like casts spells or... No, that's warlock. Yeah. No, W-O-R-L. Yeah. I think this character spelled W-A-R-L. Oh. O-C-K-E. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just like this line after Beast gets off the phone with the president. Uh, Warlock says, Self friend Hank, your president is no longer human. <laughs> I thought that was very a creepy thing to let somebody know. Yeah. Beast has uh, the appropriate amount of horror in his face after learning that. Right. Although, perhaps, uh, in our timeline, that might be an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so then Beast decides to contact some other people. He's just trying some shots in the dark. He contacts Forge of the of X-Factor, uh, probably bringing it more in line with where the Phalanx character comes from, from the comics. Mm-hmm. And Forge is, like, uh, sort of unreasonably grumpy with Beast. He's like, oh, the X-Men, you're contacting me? It's always trouble when you reach out to me. Yeah. And Beast is like, the whole world might be in danger. Yeah. And Forge is like, well... <laughs> All right, let's meet at the diner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they meet yeah. at uh, Sid's Grill uh, diner somewhere. Um, but in the meantime, we also see the Empire State Building, and it's completely been feeling disguised. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, like, completely covered in black and yellow electric craziness. Uh, there, But, and we see some Phalanx characters there. They're referring to it as the Spire. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's a gross scene of, like, what's going on. So there's already a hive mind breeding in this fire thing. And um, so it's, like, how to describe it? It's like a tree trunk inside of the Empire State Building with all these gross heads sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. It's all the people that have been assimilated, right? But right. they say that mutants can't be assimilated. They like, say they're having trouble with it. Yeah, something about, like, the mutated gene doesn't assimilate easily or something. Right. So, like, the mutants get trapped in, like, a pod in this tree thing, whereas the humans are easily assimilated, I guess. Yeah. It's it's a gross scene. The phalanx look like your typical gross enemy. Yeah. Um, So, but meanwhile, at Sid's Grill, uh, Beast meets Forge and Quicksilver, or Quicksilver, who we just introduced to, like, the last episode, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, They're human. They're thankfully not compromised yet. Uh... But at this diner... They see Mr. Sinister leaving, don't they? Oh, yeah, that's so weird. Right before they yeah. go in the diner, they see Mr. Sinister in a disguise leaving. Right. Which is bizarre. Uh, but then, I don't know, what, like, what's he doing there? But then, uh, at this diner, it quickly, there's, like, a mob of people outside, and they're all failing zombies. Right. And inside, the waitress uh, is a failing zombie. But then, weirdly, Warlock calls out to the waitress, and he's like, Life mate, help us. Yeah. And she... Uh, like helps them briefly. Well, she stops trying to assimilate Forge for a second, long right. enough oh, for yeah, him to right. get away. Oh yeah, Forge is getting assimilated. His cybernetic leg is getting eaten, and then it gets like eaten away. Yeah. So then Beast has to carry Forge out, who's on one leg right now. But uh, that was just weird that his life mate can appear within the phalanx. I guess like continuum. Well, they made a point of it before to say that like he would, Warlock would be able to recognize her like signature or whatever, like wherever she would be. Oh, I see. So I guess, like, they just happened to be in the same place as her, and mm-hmm. he, like, recognized her right away. Right. So uh, they hightail up from this diner. Uh, Warlock helps Forge by, who says, leave me behind. Uh, but he turns into Forge's leg, which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And then they're, they're able to run away. Quicksilver runs to take a van, uh, but he's quickly... Uh, the van has already been assimilated. Yeah, he's so assimilated. Quicksilver gets stuck in a stuck pod, in so there. he's of no help to us. And you know, poor Quicksilver. But it's at this moment uh, they get rescued by Mister Sinister, who calls his purple monster ship to rescue Beast and Forge. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
it's pretty insane that that's the the trio of characters we've got Beast Forge and Mr. Sinister. It's pretty it's fun cool. and cool. Yeah. You know, it's like a really like random mix and match. Uh-huh. Um and Beast, you know, comments on it saying like the friend of my enemy is my friend or something. I don't know. Yeah. He gives one of his classic literature lines or illusions. Uh they get aboard his ship. Uh they're flying away. Uh, they just escaped the phalanx. Beast calculates that uh, 76% of Earth's population will be assimilated within four days. But Forge comments that, oh, that's using a viral pattern. These things have intelligence. And mm. We might have less time. And then Mr. Sinister says, probably because they're building that. And then they're flying over New York and they see that the Empire State Building is taken over. And the, the Warlock's talking about the Spire. Mm. And that's kind of where the, the episode ends on a cliffhanger. And it's pretty... To be continued. Yeah, and it's pretty like an intense... It's an intense cliffhanger. And like I said, I was reading the entry on this episode in the previously on X-Men book, which everyone should check out by Eric Leewald, because mm-hmm. uh, they also show like behind-the-scenes artwork, too, for each episode and recaps and things like that. Uh, he talks about how this is one of his favorite episodes to produce, and he said uh, you know, it actually made him tear up a little bit, especially the conclusion, which we are... I don't remember, personally. Oh, okay. Like, I sort of remember the conclusion. Um, I think, like I said, I've seen this Phalanx more than I've seen uh, this Phalanx parts one and two more than I've seen other episodes of season five. Mm-hmm. So I think I know what's going to happen. Obviously, the day is likely to be saved, but <laughs> well, tune in next time to find out, right? But X-fans. right, <laughs> that's right. It's a good cliffhanger and it's a good start to season five. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, we're in season five. Uh, it's it's near. We've got like after this, like twelve episodes to go. I think. Um, we're going to reach out to our fans. We've mentioned it in the previous episodes. We're going to see if some fans uh, want to join us uh, in some episodes going forward. Um, we're going to see how it all works out. We, we still haven't worked out the details yet because it's complicated, uh, especially when we do interview episodes. Mm-hmm. So we always have to you know, do set up time and technology uh, concerns. and So we'll, we'll, we'll roll it out as we go along. Um, so we'll we'll get that information out to our fans as soon as possible if if they can and be willing be, would be willing to join us just to show uh you know to show that we appreciate them too we couldn't do the show without them mm-hmm. so um yeah it's I don't know I um I I've been reluctant Sonia to dive into season five to be honest I noticed I wanted to keep doing more special episodes before we started it because it's it's probably gonna go by quick. Well, and, we can weave some more special episodes into it. Yeah, and we have plans to do. We have plans to do that. I mean, we, you know, we definitely want to cover every X Men movie, uh, but you know, we want to get some special guests on for some of them. Uh, but it, it, everything's a matter of timing. So, uh, but you know, we're gonna try to stretch this thing out as long as possible, um, and and see from there where we go uh, after we get to the last episode, which is called Graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know, it, uh, I, I'm a little, I feel a little, I'm happy that we've gotten this far, but I, I feel a little bittersweet about it. Verklempt? <laughs> Not about verklempt, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be getting there when we, we get into the final home stretch. Uh, but uh, that's all I have for this episode. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about this episode? How many phalanxes out of ten do you give it? I, I can't give out phalanxes, I'm sorry. You can't give out phalanx <laughs> ratings? Okay, that's fine. I, I thought it was a good episode. I'd give it a yeah, I, five I was, out of five. I was it's entertained. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to remind our fans, you can follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Uh, you can uh, join our Facebook group, which I really encourage everyone to do, X-Men Task Podcast. Just search it out there. Uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes or whatever you rate and review podcasts. Give us five stars. It goes a long way to helping us. Any final last words you have as we begin the journey of Season 5? No, no, that's it. Okay, very good. All right, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night.